0: we had this mantra about eliminate automate and outsource welcome to modern business operations where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world
1: hello everyone welcome to another episode of modern business operations my name is sagi i'm the ceo and founder of tonkin and today i have the pleasure of hosting team jones most recently Vice President of Business Operations at Epic Games. Welcome, team. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Well, I think before we jump you know, into the meaty stuff, maybe a good way to start is letting you know the listeners know a little bit more about you. You've had quite a career, a long time in Google and before that in British Airways and, and like I said, most recently in Epic Games. Maybe a little bit of background and kind of how did you get to that line of business?
0: So I'm I studied engineering at college and and I guess, you know, in my soul, still think of myself as, a, as an engineer. Uh, it was a great training, a great way to look at problems and, and look at solutions. So with my engineering degree, I, I joined British Airways on a graduate scheme that took you know, a few months in, in several little departments. And the one that really jumped out to me as exciting was the engineering supply chain. So that's about managing aircraft spare parts. Aircraft spare parts are really expensive. And the consequences of, of an aircraft not having a, a vital part is also really expensive. From there, though, I, I guess I realized that to get the supply chain to work effectively, you need to have a great relationship with, with suppliers, and that led me into procurement and strategic sourcing, which at its heart is about negotiating great business relationships with great suppliers. That took me into procurement. I bought some weird and wonderful things in British Airways, everything from you know the in-flight magazine to landing rights at different airports and, and those sorts of things. From there, I had a brief period in the pharmaceutical industry in and then got a call to join Google and ended up running the European strategic sourcing team. And, and from the move to California to, to the mothership in, in Mountain View to run the strategic sourcing team for a number of years. You know, when I got the opportunity at Epic to move into operations, I really jumped at the opportunity. The great thing about procurement is it, it gives you that kind of window on different parts of the organization. I'd always been intrigued by the sort of challenges in, in other parts of business. At Epic, I ended up heading not only the procurement team, but you know, real estate and facilities management, the uh, security operations team, and some of the admin functions as well.
1: You know, it's interesting. I've never thought about that progression from you know supply management into operations, but it actually makes a ton of sense. A lot of times I think about it, and we talk about it in this in this podcast too, about the concept of the machine that builds the machine. And so many times people might not have the visibility into the complexities. And honestly, it's its own product line. You know, if you think about Epic, obviously building games is a lot of times what people see from the outside as the product, but the, you need to build a company to build the games as well. And you talk about the spare parts for the planes and I was like, huh, you know, that's important, (laughs) you know, if you want to be able to fly. So that's super interesting. We've sort of talked about it before and kind of want to pick your brain about, again, it started from the supply chain and the process around that. And then all the way to, you know, business operations in a tech company, that concept of agile and that concept of iterating. And again, when I think about building the machine that builds the machine is really like what the concepts that we are used to when we build products, for example, like agile methodology? And are we actually using them in the, this other part of the operation? There's a lot of noise and wrong things about it, but there's also some really good, important things about it. So wanted to kind of hear your thoughts around that.
0: That's one of those phrases that gets banded around <laughs> a little bit and sometimes means different things to, to different people. Yeah, you know, I guess you can Go back to the textbook and the, uh, the agile manifesto on principles and values you know for me agile is about having autonomous teams having great internal communication, having you know really strong collaboration with the customer you know launching a product and, and getting that in front of people and iterating and really responding to feedback rather than hey, this is the plan that I wrote on day one of the project. And my job as a project manager is to stick to that plan. So really, really being responsive. In the early days of Google, we had this mantra, launch and iterate. And that really meant, you know, get your beta product, get in front of customers, listen to feedback, and then add features or, you know, make changes once you see what what users in the in the wild <laughs> do with your product, you know I think that's really kind of coloured the way that you know you know I think about it. Obviously, you have to be really careful with that who is you know often you get one chance to impress a customer, and that can be an internal user as it as it can be a paying customer. And so you know you really have to make sure that you don't compromise on on the quality of the product that you're putting out there, the quality of the process, because I think it's easy to switch people off and then hard to uh, get them back on side once you've given
1: them a taste of something that,
0: that wasn't ready.
1: It's so interesting to think about that balance. In one way, actually running that you know launch and iterate, that sort of true agile concept of, hey, we don't know everything up front, we know some of it, let's actually get feedback from, you know, our users and whatever it is that you're doing, to your point, doesn't have to be like the traditional, you know, I build a product and have users logging in. But you know, any interaction you're doing with someone else, whether it's a service you provide, whether it's a product you build, and whether it's a process you design, that feedback is key. What I like about it is that it's almost humbling. Right? It's basically saying, we have a direction, we don't have everything figured out. It's that process that would actually produce the best result. But at the same time, to your point, you have to bring that customer, that other side of it with you along the way, because if their expectations are wrong, this might look like the opposite.
0: I was just an incompetent uh, delivering the wrong thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Or not investing enough of effort. Why are you giving me this minimum viable thing? That's kind of where I'm where I'm intrigued by some of those business operations as a whole. But even more specifically, you know, when you talked about the supply chain and the different type of projects, or when you talked about you know procurement and, and you know, buying different things, do you see those walls also able to adapt some of those concepts?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think anytime where you've got you know, a process which you're trying to operate, then you know you can think of that in terms of you know, an agile process. You know, you're delivering a, a service to somebody and, and each element of that needs to be designed. One of the ways of bridging that gap <laughs> that we just talked about is to have that small group of trusted you know, customers or users that you know, you can use as a, as a sounding board before you go mass market. That's a great way of gathering that early feedback before you, uh, you know, you embarrass yourself too widely.
1: This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast.
0: And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community.
1: It's funny how applicable, you know, a lot of those concepts that, you know, have been, became sort of a standard in how you develop software products, how much they are applicable for everything else and how little people do that. But that's that's sort of exciting. Speaking about maybe some of your you know more recent experience, more directly on the business operations, Epic Games obviously was scaling very, very fast, pun not intended, Epic uh, Games that you guys uh, <laughs> produced, you know, like Fortnite and others. But when you're scaling so fast, is that better for Agile or is that actually prohibiting that type of approach?
0: Scaling was the big challenge at, at Epic, just responding to the, the huge growth. You know, The temptation when faced with those kind of scaling problems is to double down and work harder. The smart thing to do is to try and carve out some space, take a step back and, and look at the process that you're trying to operate or the service you're trying to deliver and really examine about, are you doing the right thing? What's the process that you're trying to deliver and how can you re-engineer it to be, to be more efficient? And scale through efficiency. You know, and I learned a lot about that at, at Google, and back then we uh, developed this concept of a, of a process owner. Yeah, you know, the process owner is responsible for the design of the process rather than the day-to-day operation, and they could really focus on, you know, designing the user journey. And that's you know very similar to that kind of software agile philosophy. The process owner would look at the process trying to deliver, and we had this mantra about eliminate, automate. And outsource, you know, and those are the sort of three things in order that we'd look to do. So, you know, look at the process, what are the steps, or all the steps necessary? What can we eliminate? What we've left with? What can we automate? And then, you know, where we are left with with elements of manual work, you know, where can we outsource? Scaling through hiring a bunch of people is really difficult. You know, if you've done that work on the on the process then uh, the smart thing to do is to is to find a delivery partner who can really specialize in that scaling and partner with them. And I, I think the, the beauty of the process owner model was, you know, it's not just a one-time exercise that, okay, you know, I've, I've ticked off, I've done my process now, I've done my user journey. You know, it needs to be an iterative process where you're constantly looking, where are my customers' pain points, where are people dropping out the process? Where have I got poor feedback? And then really addressing each one of those and looking for opportunities for for efficiency. That's a very successful approach that has also worked well at, at Epic.
1: I felt you know many times when we talk to people about scaling fast, and your kind of last point of this that it's not just delivering, it's also be able to kind of get the feedback, making more change and all that stuff. It's actually interesting how often we underestimate the potential things to change. And we spend so much time saying, oh, this is our goal, this is kind of what we're seeing. And spending all the time sort of building something, whatever it is, you said with hiring people, for example, hire a lot of people, you know, you have that goals for this, you know, whatever few months to hire a lot of people there's very little room left to imagine or even plan for, hey, what happened after that? What's gonna change after that? Just to kind of add in even further your point is that type of approach of, I love that, you call it eliminate, automate and outsource, right? It's mm-hmm. that, that concept I love because it applies not only to whatever you're doing right now, it allows you to also react better when things do change. And obviously in the last two years, we've seen this globally, <laughs> things can, you know, all of a sudden, boom, and all of your plans can go out the window. So that's an intriguing concept. And, you know, maybe that's a good type of last point to touch on, right? Is And we ask that every time the podcast and the audience is really all about, you know, where are we going with the state of operations? This is a field that has been growing in the last ten years. It's undoubted that it will continue to grow. Where do you see it now? What do you think is working well now? What do you think is the, the bigger gaps or or any predictions you know going forward? If you need to kind of try to design or or. I mean, there's
0: a couple of things that uh, I'm really excited about. You know, when you look at that eliminate, automate, outsource mantra, we talked about the The hardest one was always automate. You know, it was hard to get you know IT teams to focus on you know often internal processes. You know, there are scarce resources, often you know long lead times in in making those kind of automation moves. Yeah, I'm really excited by the developments in you know no code or low code solutions to to help automate. You know, such as <laughs> it wasn't designed to be a plug for uh, you, but you know that is an area that I think is is super exciting and you a know, real game changer in the way that uh, we, can, we can make that automation. You know, the second one is around customers and, and particularly internal users, tolerance for, for bureaucracy and poor customer experience and poor IT solution, poor user interface. And that really just shines a spotlight on, on these operations teams, you know, means we have to raise our game and innovate harder and you know, that's what that's what gets me up in the morning is is that innovation. So, you know, it's an exciting area to be in.
1: Well, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I think you're spot on it actually comes from the user. And I think when you look at the world of consumer products, yeah, and the demand that and the bar that is being set and how we drove an entire industries to be better. That's a very, very, very good point to be made that employees are no longer okay with bad user experience internally.
0: Yeah, I love how you how you phrase that. Sites like Amazon have set the benchmark for how easy it is to, to order something or buy it. That's a, that's a great example.
1: You have to up your game or, or it's gonna be hard for you to stay around. So <laughs> those are words of wisdom. So I think we got great predictions and great discussion. I wanna thank you again, team. That was super intriguing and, and great conversation. So thank you again for joining us today. Thanks very much. I really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at talking.com/slash M B O P O T. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes.